की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय घोर भक्त वृंद की जय घोर प्रमाण हरि बो my pronouns will appear good morning here from ralich north carolina and we are again meeting each other after a very auspicious uh, celebration yesterday of nityananda triyodasi so we are doing our lecture that typically is on thursday today on friday because if we were not able to do yesterday no today is our 10th hmm? 10th session of our Vaishnava etiquette series rules and love in the life of a sadaka and in our 10th meeting we will be sharing our third uh, session connected to the concept of sadaka deha hmm? so how to deal properly with it how to honor venerate properly hmm? this gift hmm, shared by sri guru and so on so i think today may be the last uh, session connected to Saraka Deha and then we may proceed to some other uh, different viewpoints con concerned with the idea of Vaishnava etiquette. So let's as usual first do a brief summary recap of what we were studying in our previous meeting last uh, Monday. In our second session on Saraka Deha hmm, after the introduction to the whole concept of what does it mean, what, what it means to be a Saraka, what it means to have a Saraka Deha, what's the, if you will, the ontology hmm, of such a body hmm, and so on. We share some practical tips, if you will, in our daily schedule. Hmm. Many of them were revolving around the idea of cleanliness. Hmm. We emphasize this point. We will see this all along the Vaishnav culture, all along the Vaishnav etiquette, many details related to purity, cleanliness, physically speaking, and from that on, mentally, internally, trying to, yeah, to make us aligned with, uh, uh, as closer as we can with the sattvic standard of life, at least sattva, and from sattvas we always mention we, we, were, we, we will have better chances to grasp transcendence, a clearer view, a more balanced perspective of things. So we started analyzing a day in the life of a sadak, if you will. So we started with the very first thing of our daily schedule, which is to wake up and in connection to that, to sleep. So we spoke a little bit about sleeping and how certain ideas to have the best possible resting connection to the previous day, previous day's dinner, not eating too much, too heavily, not going to bed ideally too late, trying to regulate the quantity of sleep according to what's sustainable and healthy for us, not to sleep too much, not to sleep too less, even if possible trying to sleep in the certain particular directions, ideally east, eastern direction, or if not southern direction, some, again, adjustments that will create some subtle harmony that somehow or other will affect most of us who are still under the influence on some level or another of the gunas, asarakas. So those adjustments will make us, again, much more uh, open, if you will, to a sadhvic perspective and from there, hopefully, to the transcendence 
transcendent perspective. Also, we share some ideas how ideally we could close our previous day at night with some prayers, trying to close the whole schedule, invoking some further additional bhakti samskars, trying to hear Harikata or to read something or to pray or to think about our day, to have some introspection, praying that we may be engaged in bhakti even in, during sleep. We may have sadhu sangha and receive more bhakti samskars in the oniric platform and so on. Also some considerations regarding pure cleanliness, regarding our clothes, you know, if you sleep, the clothes we use for sleeping are somehow not fit for some other activities like entering the altar, or ideal if you are cooking, or ideal if you are conducting yourself during the day, better you have some separate clothes. Again, all this has to do with subtle influences that we, we if we are attentive, we will feel them. And then when we wake up, we spoke a little bit about that as well, trying to, again, as the last part of my day, close the day with some specific impression, devotional impression, hopefully the same way the very first thing we do when our day begins, trying to glorify Hari, Guru, Vaishnavas, offering Pranam immediately, if you will, like the very first uh, impression that we will acquire. In a natural way, again, not forcing ourselves. Sometimes we may, in a healthy way, force ourselves with our intelligence in the proper direction. Mm. Uh, hopefully we do not take our cell phone as the very first act of our day or the very last one. <laughs> uh, and again, these things that we do at the beginning and the end of the day, they will create some influence regarding what will happen in between those moments. We also share some ideas about Brahma Muhurta, this specific period of the day, mm, an hour and a half approximately before the sunrise, various species for engaging in sadhana. We also contemplated the possibility of chanting japa right after one is waking up, of course, after one is going to the bathroom and cleaning at least one's mouth, face, hands, so we can enter in touch with our japa mala. And also we finally, we close our last meeting speaking about some practical details regarding inhabiting the bathroom, if you will. How to clean our mouth, how to clean our hands when we are passing urine or passing stool. Passing stool, ideally, we should clean ourselves a little more comprehensively, if you will, a shower or maybe clean our feet, our war, our private parts, face, hands, mouth, and so on. Again, not an obsession, superficial obsession with cleanliness, but something that will maintain our body and therefore the rest of our Identity, because sometimes we are quite tight with our body identification in a sadhvic way. Ideally, using your left hand for cleaning the body. And also, we ended up speaking about how not to enter in the bathroom with sacred items. Not only with your japa mala, but with shastra. We shouldn't enter there with even ideally like uh, like a child chatter that may have harinam there imprinted or anything that may include devotional images, like a way of creating a an awareness in our own self. No, it's basically for us. It's not that it, that that Tulsi will become contaminated or that Jagannath in, in whatever in the child will become contaminated. No? But our own approach and conception toward it may be affected in a very subtle, even unconscious way. So those those ideas 
are there in order to increase the awareness of the sacredness of these items, basically. So again, the idea is that these advices are not whimsical, but have some foundation, some understanding, so we can really embrace them with a proper samband, if you will. So some words about what we spoke during our last meeting. And today we will continue sharing some more practical tips, continuing with what how our day goes on again in a very general way, in a general structure. Of course, each case is very individual and there will be always even some exceptions to the rule and extraordinary days and situations. So we are sharing here a very general idea and each one of you should uh, use proper criterion to adjust the details. So today we will continue speaking about bathroom and specifically when having shower and then doing achaman and putting tilak in our body. Basically, this will be the main topics in connection to today's lecture. Again, revolving around the principle of sadhakadeha, how to properly honor and become aware of the nature of such gift and relate to that in a sacred way. So after waking up, after maybe chanting sanjap, after going to the bathroom, again, eventually the idea is to have a bath hmm, in the morning. Hmm. So uh, that's a must, I will say, in the Vaishnava culture. Hmm. I mean, nobody will force you to do that. Nobody will put a camera in your house to check if you're having a bath every single day. But it's a very basic concept of cleaning, not only in the Vaishnava culture, but in the whole Hindu society, Vedic culture and even beyond. Like a natural way hmm, of starting our day, refreshing ourselves, cleaning ourselves in bodily terms. And again, that may affect so many other layers. And of course, if you are, I don't know, a pujari and you're entering the altar at some other moments of the day, ideally also showers are there before those moments. There are many verses in Hari Bhakti Vilas about this. I won't quote them. They will be too overwhelming, if you will, too many. But singing the glories of having a shower in the morning. And, of course, sharing the consequences of not doing so, sometimes quite intensely. <laughs> but the main point is, I think, and it's, I think it's common sense, and I don't think this is very difficult. It's just a matter of creating a habit. Of course, I remember my own case before meeting the devotees. I was not having necessarily a shower every single day in the morning when I woke up. But eventually, when I learned the whys and hows of doing that, and as well as many of the details we're sharing here, I think in a few days or weeks even, all of them were very naturally incorporated. It was not just like tortuous force things that last for years and still it's so impossible to carry them and so on. So we should understand this is not such a difficult uh, advice and it didn't make sense, basically. So if we will have a shower, ideally it is recommended that before having the shower we should brush our teeth or, I don't know, if you will cut your nails, or you will shave your head, or cut your your head, basically, or shave your face, or whatever you will do, all those things should be done before having a shower. If you are doing them after that, or at some moment during the day, ideally it's recommended to have um, a shower after that, especially if you are shaving your head and so on. So regarding brushing our teeth, I remember some some weeks ago, Krishangi, who is now connected in, from Finland, I mean, she's in France now, he, she shared with me that she would like to 
to know how to brush one's teeth in a bedic way or correctly and in a very uh, legal way according to our tradition. And of course I appreciated her concern of wanting to know how to that, do that, even that detail properly. But I will say that in, in, in connection to this particular point, brushing one's teeth, there is lots of relativity in that connection in what we will find in the scripture. So in my personal case, at least I wouldn't put too much weight on the idea of this is the correct way of brushing one's teeth because we'll find a lot of this and I will share you something with you now in Hari Bhakti Vilas of Sanatana Goswami. Almost whole chapters about brushing one's teeth. But many of those things are really relative to culture, really relative to time. And only to a, one, to, a, to a certain point we can really imitate or follow what's mentioned in there. What's mentioned in there, how to do that, or what will happen if you do not that, do that properly. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Sanatana Goswami regarding brushing teeth will speak about the teeth should be brushed with a, with a twig. And he will speak about specific type of twigs and some specific days or positions of the moon that you shouldn't use that particular twig. And if not, something very terrible will happen. For example, there is one quote that he mentions. If one brushes his teeth with a twig on the first day, on the sixth day, on the ninth day of the waning moon, as well as on the new moon day, 100 generations of his family will be burned to ashes. (laughs) So you can imagine. I mean, you can go mad after this type of... Readings. I mean, you, you, by, by now you have already sent all your generations in, in the context of an Adi Karma without number to hell, basically, because of not even using a twig. <laughs> what to speak of using the proper twig on the proper day. Mm. So there are many verses like this of brushing the teeth with this type of what we might call artabad or exaggeration about that will happen if you do not do like this and do not do like that. And I personally will say I, I'm not to absolutize this type of section. So of course, you may wonder, but why then Sanatan Goswami said such a thing or share those verses that are quoted from other scriptures, Puranas, and so on? So again, you have to put the text in context. As we always say, a text out of context becomes a pretext. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> And, in, and this is some example of that. What's the context of Hari Bhakti Vilas? Hari Bhakti Vilas is a book written by Sanatan Goswami, who is one of the main, as my Guru Maharaj will say, the main architects of the Sampradaya. So at the point that these books were written, and they were meant to establish the orthodoxy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the whole Sampradaya was not fully established yet in society. And, and, and there was a time where lots of sensibilities concerning Barna Ashram were there of how to do this, how to do that, according to the particular case, and Barna, and Ashram. And, 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 and people were paying too much attention to that. And if you wanted to fit, enter into society, you were expected to, to follow those things. So in this way, I feel that a book like Hari Bhakti Vilas especially, which speaks a lot about behavior of the Vaishnavs in, according to time and place and circumstances in society, they were trying to give some place and standing to the Gaudiya Sampradaya in that particular time. Again, the Sampradaya was just beginning to, to become a Sampradaya proper. So what's, it was necessary to give it certain standing. And in that context, 
make some emphasis regarding relative issues, moral issues, cleanliness issues, and, and with the typical language of the time and certain quotes, what will happen if you do that, what will happen if you do not do that. And some of these statements will seem really exaggerated in both directions. If you do this, this will happen. If you do not do that, this will happen. Many of them, them will sound even like karma kanda. No? You will, your family will save, or it's not even speaking about Uttam Bhakti for a moment. But again, it's a relativity, it's a packaging of relativity proper to time and place and circumstance for that moment. That personally, I do not think it's applicable nowadays. And that's why on some occasions I've hinted at Brigupat Prabhu to, to compile some sort of updated version of the Hari Bhakti Vilas, maybe taking out all the sections that are out of date <laughs> and replacing them with updated section of how how we should do that nowadays in modern times. So my conclusion will be, uh, do not go mad about brushing your teeth. You, you use the toothpaste you are using, hopefully a healthy one. <clears throat> the tat brush you are using, if you want to try it with a twig, no problem. It may be a very, maybe a little difficult, like trying to eat rice like the Japanese people is doing with the little sticks, who knows? <laughs> it may be an exotic experience, as you like. But do not over-emphasize and over-conceive these ideas. That's my point. <clears throat> so that's the mystery, Krishangi, the mystery about toothbrushing, at least according to Swami Padmanabha. Sorry if I, I was not able to, I was not uh, able to reveal something according to your expectations. <laughs> Maybe Brigupad may share some further insights in that connection, you may ask him. So after this section of entering the bathroom, brushing one's teeth, one is about to enter the shower. <clears throat> so, regarding the shower, some considerations. I will share one that I was asked the other day by Balaram Prabhu from New Zealand. I was hesitant about sharing that, but I will share it in, in, and try to put it in context, because maybe some of you have heard about that, and may be wondering, what's the meaning of that? And one of the recommendations that sometimes are given is, that you have a shower using a gamsha, hmm? not naked, fully naked, not seeing your private parts while having a shower. So again, that may sound weird for many of you, even in present culture, what to speak of someone who is not a Vaishnava. <laughs> and personally, I wouldn't like, again, press and push on such an, an idea of like, an, like a must. But we have to go to the gist of this, to the idea of that. Prabhupada will say once something like this strongly, and we have again to understand that, that context. No? It's saying, uh, someone who is seeing himself or herself naked, to see oneself naked is the beginning of madness, he said once. <laughs> so you have to understand the point. No, I mean, the point is, we are already identified with this body, we are already taking this body as sometimes our own self, as sometimes as our own in all. So the idea is, of course, not to further increase such identification and entitlement and to deal with whatever we had to do physically on a daily basis in such a way that we are not promoting that type of identity. So this is the point when it is said, I don't know, do not contemplate your own body naked, do not look in an excessive way into the mirror or stuff like this. I mean... It has to be done in a sustainable and healthy way according to each one's capacities. Of course, if you want to have a shower with the gamsha, there's no problem. Maybe not so easy to manage <laughs> the cleanliness of the body with that if you are fully naked. But again, you have to go to the gist. It's not about having the gamsha or not having the gamsha. 
But I'm mentioning that because I'm, maybe you have heard about that. and maybe wondering why Gamsha having a shower. That sounds weird. But the point is that we, tr we have to go to the gist of the idea, which is try to do that in such a way that hopefully you get closer to your identity as an Atma. So regarding having a shower, something that we hear sometimes is the cold shower affair. <laughs> or some recommendation about using cold water when you have a shower. Of course, there are different things that have been said, for example, even in Ayurveda or even from Sila Prabhupada. He had mentioned about cold shower, Ayurveda speaks about that. But also it is spoken about hot shower. And again, these are re relative recommendations that each one will adjust according to their own capacity. But, for example, during some time the devotee said to Prabhupada that the, only the cold shower... And sometimes during his time, they were having a cold shower that lasted for uh, maybe 15 seconds or something. So we're saying to Prabhupada that they were not able to fully clean themselves because the body, it was very short and the cold shower sometimes was not so helpful for that. So Prabhupada said, no, of course, you have to use warm water for that. So the devotees were like, oh, we can do it. No, <laughs> It's not a sin, basically. But of course... You can use warm water, no problem at all. But also, cold water is it's interesting. It's healthy, actually. Even though it may be uncomfortable, to, to if you get accustomed to hot water, if you put cold water, that may be like, oh. I remember when I went to live to the temple, there was no warm water at all. It was only cold water. And there was not shower. But the water just came like, a, like an arrow in a <laughs> one direct way. And I didn't have any advice about how to deal with that. I just entered the bathroom in my first day in the ashram. I was really happy with Samai. <laughs> and I opened the shower at 4 a.m. or whatever. And I just threw the first arrow of cold water right into my chest. So I felt like I was just being pierced by, by Ramachandra's arrow. I felt myself Ravan or something. <laughs> and for a moment I thought, oh my God, this will be like this every single day of my life in the ashram. But immediately I thought, even if that's like this, no problem. If that's the price I have to pay, of course, there was some deeper price to pay eventually, as I got to realize. But I was willing to do so. Of course, eventually warm water came and, and I used it. But also, I, I, I don't say, I'm giving an example, not because you have to follow it, but even though I may use warm water, I use cold water at the end always. I got accustomed to that and I really feel it's really helpful because it helps you to become aware awake, no? too much hot water make, made you dizzy, if you will. Even on a health way, all the pores of the body, when you use hot water, they open. So they absorb, if, if it's cold in the environment, they absorb all the cold and you may get sick. Actually, on the other side, the cold water closes the pores and activates the flowing of, of, of the blood in the body. So that creates inner, inner heat, if you will, and protection. Also, the other day I was seeing some lecture from talk from Win Win Wolf, I think is his name. He's famous. They call it the Iceman. He has many Guinness records by staying under cold weather and so on. And he has some interesting philosophy. And he emphasized a lot cold water, showers, as much as one can, at least some minutes. as very healthy. And he's, he speaks about, yes, cold water will feel uncomfortable, will take you out of the comfort zone for sure. But out of the comfort zone is the area when we will really learn, where we will have real experiences about things, as you know. So I, I appreciated his point, because out of the comfort zone is when you really have to think deeply <laughs> to
too much hot water may have to do with remaining in the comfort. So all that can create some pattern. So you see what you do with that, but I think I, I want to share some of these ideas regarding how to deal with that in, in a healthy way, in a conscious way, and so on. Well, after having shower, ideally you should, um, of course, end, you end your shower. You may be singing some kirtan, as we mentioned in the last class. Everyone likes to sing in the shower, so it's a great chance for shower kirtan, if you will. <laughs> Hopefully in the proper way, praying. There's place for that. Not just shower. I mean, you can clean your body, of course, your sadhakadeha. But again, the idea is every, all of these moments are sacred moments. You are in the bathroom even, you are having a shower, you are taking care of your sadhakadeh, of your guru's gift. So again, there is a way of making all these chapters of the day uh, sacred. Ideally, after that, you should change your interiors. I don't know if you call interiors, you know, the interior clothes to use. <clears throat> after each, each time you are having a shower. Uh, and, and regarding the other clothes that you'd use on a daily basis, ideally you may use different clothes every day or at least every some few days. No, that's another way. No, it shouldn't be too dirty because, again, the gunas are influencing here and there and may affect us on some level or another. Of course, there may be some exceptions to the rule and you may not be able to have a shower. No, for example, I don't know, sometimes I'm traveling to some place and, and I have a flight that is during the night, so I will arrive to one place at midday. So I was not able to have a shower. And, and, it, and, and, and it doesn't mean that, of course, I will try to have a shower as soon as I get to the place where I'm going, but before that, it's not that I cannot chant any japa or, or chant my diksha mantra because I didn't have the shower. That's an exceptional case. So in, that, in those cases, we can have another type of shower. There are different types of shower. Actually, it is we hear about seven types of snan. Snan means like bathing. Of course, the tip I, I will mention them to you, so you can see which which is the more fitting according to circumstance. One of the the first type of snan or whatever first I'm there are seven. It's not a particular order. One is partiva snan. Partiva snan means using earth, cleaning your body with earth. The second one is Varunasnan, which is with water, basically, as we were describing. The third one is Agnyayasnan, which has to do with uh, bathing with ashes from a sacrificial fire, from some yajna. Some ashes remain there. You can cover yourself, like Shiva, in those permanent bathing in that. Then you have Bayabhyasnan, which is similar to the previous one, which is the bathing with the dust raised by the hoops of a cow. That's another type of bathing, very auspicious one. Another one is called Divyasnan, which has to do with this, is, is the, the celestial bath that comes when it's raining, when the sun is shining. It's generally not the case. When sun is shining, generally it doesn't rain. But there are some exceptional cases that that happens. And according to the Vedas, it means that's a type of celestial bath. The devas are raining at that particular moment. Then you have mantra snan, which is to have a, a shower, chanting appropriate verses while sprinkling water on yourself, like achaman, if you will. And the last one is manasika snan, which is meditating on Bhagavan, and therefore purifying yourself in, in that meditation. 
So again, in a general way, in a general daily basis, we will have shower with water, but on exceptional cases, we can resort to some of these possibilities according to availability. And of course, even if you have the bathing with water, as I have described, you can also after that have a, if you will, subtle bath through mantra, through, the, through these last two methods I mentioned, mantra snam, manasika snam, that in your mind invoking meditating Bhagavan and uh, invoking proper mantras that may create a sense of further purification. So there is a very famous mantra that generally is invoked in this moment. Uh, you can invoke it even just when you wake up. You can invoke that after having showered. Generally, that's invoked before entering the altar as a very, as a very universal way of purifying one's sense of identity. Sometimes that's called Buddha Sudhi. Buddha Sudhi means purification Sudhi of Buddha. In this case, Buddha means the elements of the body. So you find about this also in Anucheda 286 of Bhakti Sandarva. So my mantra in this connection is one that appears in the Padyavali Rupa Goswami, which is also quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and it is said that this is one of the few things that are com- like confirmed that Mahaprabhu spoke. Apart from Sikshastaka, we have this mantra and one more approximately. So this mantra says, Nahambi pro na chanara apatir na piba yusuna sudro, Nahambar nina chagri apatir no vana stojatirba. Kintu pravdhyamni kilaparama nandam purnamritabdhya gopi bhartu padakamalayor dasa dasa anudas. It's quite well known when Mahaprabhu is saying, I'm not a Brahmin, I'm not a Kshatriya, I'm not a Vaisi, I'm not a Sudra, I'm not a Sanyasi, I'm not Banaprastha, I'm not Grihastha, I'm not Brahmachari. So he is rejecting all these limiting adjuncts, these designations, Upadis. And he says, What? What I am fully identified with is I am the servant of the servant of the servant of Sri Krishna, the beloved of the gopis, who is shining with full brilliance, something like that. So he's establishing this idea of dasa, dasa, and udas. So this mantra has to do with purifying our sense of existence, who I am. I identify myself with the identity of being a servant of the servant of the servant of Hari. Not with any other relative consideration regarding social position, ashram, varna, and so on. So that's a very classical way of purifying, again, in a sub- ourselves in a further subtle way. Another mantra that can be invoked in this connection is Apavitru Pavitruva Sarvavasnam Gatulpiva Yashmarit Pundari Kakshnam Which has to do that whether one is purified or not purified, if someone somehow or other remembers Sri Krishna, one will become purified externally and internally. So it's a mantra that, again, calls for, for remembrance of Hari and, and the power of that smaran, of that remembrance to purify our own self. So, again, after this shower, this purification, physical, subtle, we are ready for next step that we call Achaman. That's an ideal also practice that we will engage that won't take too much time, even if you are entering to the altar or not, but before chanting your Diksha Mantra, for example, this is very befitting, which means purifying with what sometimes called Ganga water, Ganga Jal. Hmm? Again, all this can be adapted according to circumstance. Please do not go neurotic about every single detail, but I'm giving sharing here in some 
a general advice that I think is sustainable for most of us at least. Hmm? Especially all this has to do with the morning duties, if you will. Our morning sadhana that will create some difference along the rest of the day. So Achaman has to do with further purification, if you will. Not only when we are entering the altar, if you are entering the altar, Achaman is a must for sure. And there are levels of Achaman, like simple Achaman, complete or full, they call sometimes. And all this have to do with further ornamentation of our Sadakadeha. When we say purifying it, invoking remembrance of Hari, decorating it, that has to do with increasing the beauty of the Sadakadeha, of the gift. So first of all, generally you have a Panchapatra, here I have mine. You know what's a Panchapatra? This type of uh, small vessels when you can put water. And generally after putting water you can uh, transform, as we call the water, into Ganga water. And there is one mantra that is recited for this. Generally one puts this mudra called Ankusha mudra on, on, without touching with the nails on the water and one recites the mantra Ganga Chaya Munachaiba. Godavari Saraswati Narmade Sindhu Kaveri Jalismin Sanidin Kuru, which is invoking the presence of seven main rivers there Gange, Cha, Jamuna, Chaiba, Saraswati, Narmade, Sindhu, Kaveri, no? Salismin Sanidin Kuru. So all these sacred rivers are invoked there. And, we, for, and after that, we proceed to purify ourselves. How do you do that? Basically, the simple purification is. You take one spoon of water and you put that in your left hand and you just throw that, let you purify your left hand and then with the left hand you put three drops of water on your right hand and you allow it to, to flow right this part of the hand to your mouth. But before that you pronounce the first mantra, you say Om Kesavaya Namaha. Now we will explain a little bit more about these mantras when we speak about Tilak. So Om Kesavaya Namaha and you sip. The water, ideally without touching, touching your, your hand, just letting the water fall to your mouth. It's possible. It may take some attempts in the beginning. <laughs> then the, the, the second one, Om Narayanaya Namaha, and you sip the water again. And then the third one is um, Om Madhavaya Namaha, and you will sip the water again. And after that you can throw one spoon of water in, in both hands saying Om Astrayapat hmm? that is a general mantra for purification and you can throw some drip, uh, drops of water on your head, on your feet if you want on, on the clothes you will be using hmm? and that will be a, a simple hmm? Achaman after that simple Achaman if you, in, in the case of a male or not a male necessarily, a lady can wear Sika as well if you have Sika, that's the point, ideally you should tie your Sika after that after this Achaman, you can tie your Sika. Generally, the Sika, as you can see, has some knot here. Hmm? Uh, so, that's another thing. No? Different types of knots and so on. <laughs> so, after this, hmm, we can put Tilak. Hmm? So, that I will close today's exposition by speaking a while on this, which because it's a very interesting and nice point that was mentioned in the scripture, Vishwanachakravartakur mentions this practice of putting Tilak, Rupa Goswami as well, decorating the Sadaka body with that, like a very favorable practice to further, again, ornament, decorate. So all this will be preliminary to the chanting of our Diksha Mantras, yet we have not reached that point. We will start next lecture speaking about that, Diksha Mantra, Japa, 
kirtans and kirtan and what's the etiquette in the context of all that. But before chanting Diksha Mantra, sometimes called Gayatri, but strictly speaking Diksha Mantras, because there are many mantras and not all of them are Gayatri, we have preliminary. All this is preliminary, the bathing, the achaman, and the tilak. What to speak if you are entering to the altar. So the idea is one should not engage in chanting Diksha Mantra without bathing achaman and tilak. Again, save, save some exceptions exceptional situation that you cannot do so and you can do that mentally one name from Tilak also another name for the Tilak is uh, different names Urdhvapundra this is one name another name is um, Sri Hari Mandir that's how it's called in, in, in Bhaktivar Sambrita Sindhu and as I said um, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur describes this Sri Hari Mandir, Urdhva Pundar, or Tilak, like Swavista Bhava Nukul, something that is favorable to the mood we cherished, along with wearing, for example, Kanti Mala, which is part of the decoration, main decoration of our Sadaka Deha. This is what Sri Guru gives us in the very moment he's giving the Sadaka Deha, when he's giving us mantra, nam, spiritual name, spiritual sense of identity. Kantimala, hmm, Tilak. All these elements are part of, if you will, our new identity. So they are very nice to, to keep, of course, as much as we can do, a, do it in, in a practical sense in our daily life. Hmm. Uh, so, well, basically the idea here is the body, as we mentioned, is a Sargadeha, it's a sacred gift from Siguru. The body is conceived as a temple sometimes. And we are to install the deity in our heart, eventually. Bhakti Notaku will sing in terms of Mama Mandir. He refers to the temple of my being. Now sometimes we go to the temple and to see the deity in the altar, but all this should, share, should help us to conceive, ultimately, the deity and the altar should be established in my heart. So all these other manifestations of it are there to remind me about my task. My body should be a temple. It's not that I enter the temple... And I'm only there in the temple, I go out of the temple and I, I'm somewhere else. Ideally, my body should carry that impression along. To be a temple, or we will decorate the temple. Now the temple is decorated, the body is a temple, we decorate the body accordingly, as if it's a temple. That's an important point. Sometimes we may try to decorate the body with other purpose. <laughs> and that's what may create entanglement in this, body, in this world and in the identification with the body. When you are trying to decorate your body, mm, uh, pay attention to your body, but not as a temple, not as a sacred place. When the sacredness is not there, that's the source of some problem, maybe. Mm. So we are decorating the temple for the pleasure of, of the istadev of the temple, mm, basically. Mm. And of course, all this is done in the context of creating further some scars mm, of the, in the direction of stop seeing our body as a vehicle for selfish enjoyment, basically, which is something, some notion that we have acquired, who knows for how long. Hmm? So we are to counteract that. That's also important to understand. There is, that tendency is there, so we need to, to, to invoke a higher conception of that. So all these little sacred moments are very crucial in this connection. Hmm? So this tilak, like, again, is considered, uh, is to be considered a very ornamentation of our body. It's called Hari Mandir, like a temple of Sri Hari means. So the Tilak is in itself a temple, or if you will, helps us to make our body a temple. Like the marks 
are there to, to establish this is a temple. Like any other construction, maybe a house, maybe a brothel, or maybe a temple. It will depend on certain indications, if you will, certain signs, if you will, there. So Tilak is there to, to establish this body is a temple. <clears throat> so in, in relation to our particular Tilak, in our particular lineage, as you can see, this is this has a particular form. It is said that Brahma resides on the left side of that Tilak, Shiva on the right side, Vishnu in the middle. Sometimes that connection is made in, connect, in relation to the Trimurti. Uh, it is said that we should not apply in our particular lineages anything in the middle of that, except maybe married, married ladies can use the, the dot, the bindi there, no problem. And again, there are many types of Tilaks according to the Parivar, to the type of lineage you belong to. So you will see different forms of tea, like this part of this part here, nuanced varieties, different colors, what to speak regarding different sampradayas, even the different parivars, Gaudiya parivars, there are different tilaks, Radha Ramango Swamis, uh, I don't know, Nityananda Parivar, Gadadar Parivar, Narutam Parivar, Bhaktivinod Parivar, what to speak other lineages, Balab Sampradaya, Radha Bhala, what to speak other sampradayas, like hmm? Sri Sampradaya and Imbarka Sampradaya. So this also helped to identify which lineage do you belong to and how to behave properly in that connection. So in our particular lineage, our tilak is made of two main substances, we could say. One of them is what we call Gopi Chandan, which is the, the, the light one, like the white type of powder that journalists used. Sometimes it's connected some, I've heard it comes from Dwarka, but I really I've done some research and I, it doesn't make too much sense why it's called Gopi Chandan, what has to do Gopi, Gopi with Dwarka. And also I've heard that it's connected to the place where the Lila of Krishna having a headache and the Gopi is taking dust from their feet to relieve Krishna for his headache. And that dust is represented in this Gopi Chandan. So that's a very sacred conception that I feel most incli more inclined to. So that's one option. But also some other option is like the one I'm using here, which is to have uh, tilak made from Radhakunda. Or sometimes, and in the case of my Guru Maharaj, he has like tilak from Shamakunda, which is similar in one sense. So it will be a little darker, as you can see. Mahaprabhu himself, when he go, went to Vrindavan and rediscovered Radhakunda, it is mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita that he used, he made some tilak from the mud there, from that area, and he put tilak that Radhakunda and that tradition started from that moment on. Or sometimes it is say if you don't have that type of earth, hmm, you can take earth from the land, from the plant of Tulasi also, where Tulasi is planted, and you can make some, some tilak with that. Hmm? <clears throat> or if you don't have any of those things, it can happen, you can make Ganga water, as I mentioned today. You can take water and invoke the mantra and put the tilak even though you cannot see that, but it's put there, the markings and the mantras with that water. Needless to say, if you are working and it's not available for you to go to your job with tilak on, no problem. But you can put Ganga water again, or you can put this tilak, then wash it before going to your job or whatever social function you have to perform. Or you can have the Ganga water, but it's a nice way again of stopping all movements and try to focus in what's a Sadaka Deha, really. <laughs> so let's describe briefly each of the different mantras that we use hmm, for the Tilak, in the different parts of the body, 
and generally their meaning. All of this, on a, they have different places and different meanings. The, the, the meanings of the names in a general way are connected to names of Vishnu, in connection to Vaishnavism, but also we could make a very uh, a deeper connection of the meaning of those names according to specific tra our specific tradition as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, and even a further deeper meaning according to the particular affinity a devotee may eventually have in connection to Krishna. You, so you can conceive, let's say, in three levels, if you will. Like in general level, names of Vishnu. Deeper level, relation to Krishna, Braja Krishna. And in a deeper level, in connection to Braja Krishna, according to one's affinity. So I will share some examples in this connection. So the first, ma the first marking of Tila will go here in our forefront. So we should, again, maybe need some practice to do the Tila. I'm not doing that practically with you now, but you put the Tila and then you have to clean a little bit with your empty. Generally, we use this finger. I think you call the ring finger to put the Tila. You can, there are some other ideas, but this finger, at least for me, is practical. And you can use it. Uh, and you can clean in between then. So you can have this empty space. And then you can try to see how to make properly this part here that is connected to a tulasi leaf. And then you can clean on that part. <clears throat> so the mantra to be invoked there is Om Keshavaya Namaha. Which means I offer Namaha, I offer Pranam. As we already spoke about Pranam to Keshava. Keshavaya. Ya means two. To Keshava. One name of Vishnu which could mean the one who is the controller of Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva. But also we can apply that name to Krishna, which has locked, uh, his hairs are, his locks of hairs are like, how do you say in English, um, let, let me think, like curly, who has curly locks of hair. Kirshava has some connection to that. So one can direct, and, and it's nice that one can direct, uh, one could even make of each one of these names a prayer to Bhagavan. So, oh Keshava, I offer my pranam to you. You are the controller of Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. Please control me. Control me. Let me surrender to your control, loving control, of course. Control me through affection and so on. So then we go to uh, this part of our our body. No? How to say like the stomach, basically. Uh, right above the navel, basically, above the, uh, how do you say, the belly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that you recite Om Narayan Ayanamaha. I offer my pronoun to Narayan. Narayan means the shelter of all living entities. Mm -hmm. So again, we can take that further to, in connection to, to Bhagavan Sri Krishna as well. Mm -hmm. He's the ultimate shelter even of Narayan. <laughs> He's the Narayan of Narayan, and, and as, as our Guru Maharaj mentioned yesterday and the other day, quoting Brahma himself praying that connection, but we can make that a prayer for shelter. Om Narayanayanamaha. Then we continue here on this middle part of the chest and we will say Om Madhavayanamaha. So I offer pranam to Madhava, which is Madhava means the husband Dava of Ma, of Lakshmi. So that's the name of Vishnu, but also Madhava has many meanings <laughs> in connection to Krishna, which means the, the, the husband of Ma will could be the husband of Shirada, husband in terms of, of course, of Tattva, because in, in, in Bhava they are in Parakia. Madhava has to do with the, with the spring season. So Krishna is identified with spring season, romanticism. Madhava has to do with Madhu, with sweetness, with Madhurya, 
with himself being a madhu, madhu pati, hmm? uh, himself being a, a bumblebee, hmm? which becomes trapped in the lotus hearts of the Brajabhasis, tasting the nectar pollen of their bhakti, and so on. So we can pray to Madhava in that way, hmm? please. Hmm? Enchant me with your sweetness, basically. Hmm? And so many other things can be there. Then we go here, the mantra is Om Govindaya Namaha. So this mantra, even though it can be, it could be applied to Vishnu in a very generic sense, Govinda means the one who pleases the Brahmins, who pleases the senses, who pleases the earth, the cows. But when you go to the cows and all that, you get more closer to Krishna and Brindavan. Govinda is more, much more connected to the name of Krishna and Brindavan as the one who pleases the cows, the gopis, the gopas, the gos, the go, the gopis, the, the ones who take care of the goats, the, the the cows. And we should also pray, no? You are the Lord of the senses, please let me give pleasure to your senses. And not the opposite way around. Then, we can go uh, and, and, and pronounce the mantra Om Vishnave uh, Namaha. And we will go here to to the right side of our belly. A little bit lower than the Om Narayana Namaha. And Om Vishnave Namaha. Here is not Om Vishnaya, even though Mahaprabhu say one, even if you say Om Vishnaya... He Bhagavan won't take won't take exception. Will say you want you meant actually Bishnabe, right? He won't take the, the mistake. So it's correct grammatically correct Bishna Bishnabe. I often pronounce to Vishnu, the all pervading Lord. Again, Krishna is all pervading in, in in the life of his devotees in Braj, no? even in separation of the he his present. They see him everywhere and so on. So on Bishnabe Namaha. There we go to our right ha- uh, arm. And we will put the first marking right here, approximately. And it will be Om Madhusudanaya Namaha. Which means I offer pronoun to Madhusudan. Again, has many meanings. Sometimes it's connected to the, 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 the enemy of Madhu, which is sometimes connected to, to doubt, to the, the demon of doubt. So we pray to him, please strengthen my faith. And do not allow me to have doubts when I shouldn't have, and so on. Madhusudan also has to do a lot with Sweetness, as I mentioned also, in connection to Madhava, there is some connection to, to this idea of Krishna bring down as Madhusudan as a bumblebee. Madhusudan means bumblebee also, and so on. Then, Om Trivikramaya Namaha, on the top part of the right arm. Om Trivikramaya means the one who makes three Brikramaya, three steps, who asks for three steps. It's the name of Vishnu's Bhamandev, when he has three steps of land to Bali Maharaj. So we are here, we are having some of the Vishnu avatars there. And we could pray in the same way that you ask for three steps of land to Bali, and Bali offer his head at the end to put the last step in full Admani Vedan, offering himself with full surrender. Allow me to do so eventually, please. Bhagavan. Then we go to the right side of our belly down, the other side, the left side, sorry. Uh, and we will invoke Om Bamanaya Namaha, which is Baman, again, the dwarf incarnation who cheated Bali, appearing as if something different than what he was, and cheated him for his best interest. So in the same way, we could put our hands in the, ourselves in the hands of our Istadev. If you need to appear in a, in a hidden way and cheat me for my best interest, I'm willing to do so. Something like that. <laughs> so then we go to our uh, left arm, the same lower part here, uh, we will invoke the mantra Om Sridharaya Namaha. Sridharaya Namaha, which is, I offer my pronoun to Sridhar, similar to Madhava, if you will. The, 
the one who sustains Dhara, Sri, who, who is the name of Lakshmi. But again, Sri, for us, Gaudias is the name of Radha first. And all the other Shakti expansions like Lakshmi come after. So Sri Dharma is the one who sustains hmm, uh, Radha. Or Dhara also refers to current, to flow in one direction. The one who flows towards Sri. So that's Krishna, especially if you have affinity towards Manjari Bhav, you will see Krishna in those terms. You know, the Manjaris love Krishna, especially when he's under the control of Sri Radha, of, her, of their Swamini. So when, when Krishna, they see Krishna flowing to Radha, she's, he's controlled by her love. Oh, Sridhar, Kijai. <laughs> so Sridharaya Namaha. Then Om Krishikesaya Namaha, here on the top part of the left arm. Hrishikesh, offer pranam to Hrishikesh, another name for Vishnu and for Krishna. Hrishikesh, Hrishikena, Sibanam Bhaktiruchi, the Lord of the senses. He is the one in relation to whom all our senses should be directed in, in the context of Seva. So that's a very gist of Sadhana Bhakti, to engage our senses exclusively for the sense pleasure of Bhagavan. We spoke about that in connection with what to do with this Sarakadeha. And of course, this applies in, in, in a deeper way. Again, if we have an affinity towards romantic relationship, has to do a lot with that as well. Then we go to the top part of our back here, and we will invoke Om Padmanavaya Namaha. For my pronoun to Padmanava, which is the name of Vishnu, or you can say from which navel, Nava, a lotus is there. And from that lotus, as we know, Brahma is born. It refers to Garbhuda Kosai Vishnu. This is narrated in the scripture. So that's a, a, one level of conceiving that. An example, a higher level, if you want to apply that to Krishna in a generic sense, you could say Padmanava is Krishna, he who has a lotus-like navel. The different parts of Krishna's body are compared with lotus. Lotus feet, lotus eyes, lotus hand, lotus navel. Everything is soft like a lotus, fragrant like a lotus, and so on. And even if you go to want to go beyond that, you can apply the idea of Padmanava in the context again of something like Manjariva. You could say Padmanava means he who has a lotus in his navel, and you can refer that to when Radha and Krishna are engaged in their amorous sports. At one point, she rather may be resting her her head on Krishna's navel, resting there. So her face will be like a lotus. So her lotus-like face is on the navel of Krishna, if you will. So in that connection, you can speak in terms of Padmanava in a really much more confidential way. So we can see one name on all these names have all these levels of application. And then on the bottom side part of our bag, right down, reaching the wrist, you pronounce Om Damodaraya Namaha, offer pranam to Damodar, Krishna, the one who is being tied. And as we know, this can be connected to the Damodar Lila, this can be connected to to, <clears throat> to another Damodar Lila between Radha and Krishna, also there is Radha Damodar, just show the Damodar, and we can pray, let me be tied by the rope of affection, or let me develop such affection that eventually I will be able to tie you, to attract you in such a way. So after we have put all these tilak markings, that you can do the markings with yourself, with your hand, or you can make get some of these mm, different symbols that you can, no? how to say, like a stamp, you can put the tilak there, exception of your face, he, this one on the forehead you have to do with your hand for sure, well, this won't work. <laughs> so after that you can 
uh, first of all, you should perform, you should put tilak on your body on a, in, in, sitting in an asana ideally, not standing. Similar with achaman. This is not to be done standingly, casually walking, but trying to sit. Ideally, if you have some special asana for that, hmm, some purified clothes to sit on. So you can do the achaman, then you can put the tilak, hmm, different markings. There's a whole section again, the Hari Bhakti Vlast, about asanas. Uh, but we won't go into further detail. We just will say what Krishna says in the Gita. Your asana shouldn't be too high nor too low. So you don't have the problem of falling to the ground or something like this. And some extension of this idea, well, after you put all this tilak, the remaining tilak that may be in your hands, sometimes you put it, sometimes what devotees do is they put water in their hands, the Ganga Jal, I do like that, and I take the, the tilak and I just put it in my hand with the water and I make the paste, if you will, here. So from here I start to wear the tilak. Some others may have some recipient, some vessel with the tilak made more like powder. They put water and they take from there. So that will depend. If you have that tilak in your hand, or even if you don't, you will have some tilak in your hand. The remaining you can put in the in the sika area, or you can wash your hand and put that Ganga Jal there, and you can recite their Om Vasudevaya Namaha. I offer pranam to Sri Vasudev, the Supreme Consciousness. So, some ideas regarding Tilak, and let me finish with some few words before we go to Q&A. Some extension of this idea of Tilak and ornamenting our Sadhakadeha is that Vaishnavas can wear also in their bodies either the footprints of Bhagavan with their markings, there are some, again, stamps with that, or the syllables of his names as mudras of different stamps. Now I have, for example, here one. Here is the, the name written. If you don't have the stamp but you know how to write it, some devotees write the names of the Ristadev, mm. the favorite deity in, in Sanskrit, there on their bodies and so on. Mm. So these elements, my Guru must give these elements when he gives initiation, for example. Tapa Pundra Nam Yajna, a mantra. Now, Nam, he gives a spiritual name to the devotee, or Nam in the case he's giving Harinam. He gives mantra in the case he's giving Diksha, or if he gives Harinam, mantra will be the Harinam in that case. Yajna is the engagement in, in Yajna, you know, of chanting Sankirtan, worshipping the deity in the case of Diksha Mantras also. And Tapa and Pundra. Pundra means Tilak. And Tapa means like this stamp that in other Sampradayas they do through branding the body. So that's intense. Here we put some stamp with Chandan and so on. Sandalwood paste with the different names of Krishna and so on. Radhan Krishna Nitai Gore. <clears throat> so after this, again, after this or between this, also if you want, if you have time, it's nice also if you will, if you have time to recite some prayers, some verses in between. And this will vary, they may vary according to your affinity, to your Guru's at own Guru's advice. There's no some fixed rule. One can recite at least, if, if one has certain affinity for sure, one's Guru may recommend you can recite this series of verses, this section of the Bhagavad or Bhagavad Amrita or whatever. Or at least you can recite if you want some form of Mangala Charan, some standard idea where you offer some of the main pranam verses to Guru, Vaishnavas, Mahaprabhu, Nityananda, whatever, Gorgadada, Radha Krishna. We will speak a little bit more in detail about Mangala Charan in, in one lecture we will give about Prachar, how to preach or how to give a class or how to participate in a class, hear a class and so on.
Mm-hmm. So again, there are different possibilities in unlimited nuance. This is not mandatory. It's just some extra consideration that if you have the time on which that may nourish your bhajan. And after this, then after this uh, shower, achaman, <clears throat> tilak, maybe some prayers or whatever, then we may be, we are ready for reciting our diksha mantras in case we have received diksha, of course. And we can continue chanting japa or we can enter the altar, depending, if that's the case, depending. But I will elaborate further on this in the, in the next in the next class and in the next classes, I think that may take more than one lecture. So we will continue like following this same order of daily schedule as to accompany, if you will, each devotee in his, her daily hmm, devotional uh, schedule and activities. Hmm. But again, before finishing and going to questions, please let me, allow me to again repeat, I'm sorry if I repeat myself too much, but all this type of advice, it has to be approached in a gradual way, sustainable way, healthy way. One thing is if you are living in an ashram and you have maybe more time to focus on some of these things, some other things maybe you have another engagement. So the most important thing is to understand the purpose of all these advices and how to adapt the details to each one's circumstance, but also understand their necessity, their role in our daily life, the influence they are having, how they will be favorable for our sadhana and from that we will try to have those all the things at least present in our mind even those days when we are not able to fully embrace them but at least it's, we, 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 we have we know they exist and we know their purpose trying to help us take care again to honor properly to serve in the best possible way this divine valuable treasure that Sri Guru has given to us our sadhakadeha so some words I wanted to share today on these last three sessions regarding hmm, the Sarkadeha and how to properly deal with that, treat that properly, honor that in the best possible way. So I will put my discourse to rest here today. And of course we have some uh, some additional minutes in case uh, any of you may have some ans- uh, some questions, something you may like to share. So let me allow for any one of you are muting yourself in case you would like to share anything there's the option already activated so I don't know if there are, there are any questions Maharaj yes Brigu thank you very much for this no. this class thank you I just have one small comment yes please allow all the ones you want I, I liked very much uh, how you spoke about tilak um yeah, you, you, I, I liked very much the explanation and and how you were showing everything because uh, this is something I feel is, is uh, personally, I feel this is a very uh, good and powerful meditation exactly on how the body has become mm-hmm. a sadhaka body. And uh, it sounds very complicated when you hear about putting all the different tilaks, but even if you put them on nicely, it just takes a few minutes I, when I was in ISKCON, I remember we used to do this tilak nicely, but the others we were just doing like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it looked more or less like a bird had had dropped its things on you. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> making the tilaks nicely doesn't take much longer. It, no. It takes just maybe two minutes. And I have one tip that I learned in India. Uh-huh. Because uh, Bhaktisiddhanta told us that you're not allowed to use the nails 
But it's difficult to clean the middle part of the tilak, especially when on the body, if you don't use the nail. Mm -hmm. So in India, I've seen that devotees, they use something like this. Like a cloth? No, this is, you I'm, can use cloth. I'm, I'm not or then you can make put, put your, put your finger wood. Put your finger up, because the name of Saragrahi Dasya appears there. There, uh -huh. there. there you have it. Okay. okay. So this is, a, this is just a small piece of wood, mm -hmm. just with an ordinary uh, knife. You can carve it out so it becomes like a thin piece like this. Mm -hmm. And then you can use that then for, for scraping the middle part mm -hmm. like that. And uh, it will work just like as a, as a nail, but it will not be unclean like the nail. So, of course, you can use a cloth also, but that's more complicated, I find. Because then you need to wash the cloth and, mm -hmm. and everything. So, make a small thing like this. Mm -hmm. uh, it helps very much. So that's just a small, small tip, and uh, I can, I can also say to Krishangi if she's listening that, that don't worry about the tooth twig. I can teach you all the details about that. Okay, there you have Krishangi. <laughs> you are fully blessed. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Brigupad, and I appreciate your contribution. And yes, I agree totally that even sometimes we may hear about these things and they may sound more complicated than one what they really are. Maybe in the first attempts we are trying that may take some more time but eventually very quickly actually you 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 can put as you say the tea like nicely let's say in five minutes if it takes too much no so it's not that you will be like an hour entangled stuck there not knowing what to do and the, your body is a whole mess it's, it's something nice a nice meditation so and i appreciate your contribution of the little the way of cleaning that part of the tea like as well So what else? Any other question? <clears throat> yes, who is speaking there? Ganga Shakti. Yes. Dandavat Pranams. Jai, Pranam. My question is um, about the Kuntimawa. This is normally something that devotees do not take off at all, but you said that we actually should take off all devotees before going to the bathroom. Is it an exception with the Kuntimawa, or is it something that we should ideally take off every time? <laughs> well, first of all, some spelling detail. It's pronounced Kanti, Kantimala. No, it's, it's not Kunti. Kunti is the, the mother of the Pandavas. So sometimes I hear many times about the saying Kunti, but it's actually Kanti, because it's written with A actually, an H after the T, which is very different to how Kunti is written without H and with U. So it's Kanti because it has to do with Kanta, which is like throat. So Kanti means that which goes in the throat, if you will. And Mala means like garland. So regarding the Kantimala, actually one devotee asked me the same thing recently and, and I for many times also thought about that. But generally the, the standard is not that you take off the Kantimala when you enter into the bathroom. Uh, it will be a little little complicated. That will be a little more complicated than even putting tea. Like every time you go out, go in, putting, putting out, putting outside. So I will say yes. You say well, but the Japa Mala is made of tulasi. It's another form of tulasi mala, and you are not entering that there. But the, I will say that the point of not entering to the bathroom with your Japa Mala is basically that you are not to chant your Japa Mala in the bathroom. So if you are not going to chant, 
why you will be taking that into the bathroom. While the Kanti Mala, the very name says Kanti, is something to be worn as a permanent mal in your in, in your your neck. And, and we can take yes, that's some we could say that's some exception to the rule that it's a special blessing that we are being protected and blessed by Tulsi Devi and Brinda Devi in the form of Kanti Mala continuously uh, accompanying us even in the bathroom if you will. But the Japa Mala, which is, is meant to chant, is not expected to enter into the bathroom because you are not expect, expect to chant Japa while you are, I don't know, passing stool or something like that. So that will be basically the the criteria. I don't know, Brigupat, probably if there is some special mention that you know of, okay, of why not and why yes. But I will go more to this, if you will, common sense criterion and practical uh, uh, way of dealing with that regarding these two. So, so I hope that helps. There is one question here on Facebook. Also, let me go to, to that one. One minute. Excuse me. Sumati, can okay. I just add something to that? When I got initiated by Prabhupada and we were given our Kanti Mala, back then they didn't come with a clasp on them. It was actually tied around your neck, so there was no possibility of taking it off. And Prabhupada said, it should always be worn. <clears throat> okay, that's a good one. So more emphasis on not taking that off. Because sometimes... Okay, of course, it's not a mandatory thing that someone is forcing you to use it against your wish. But again, it's something that you should understand. It's part of... I mean, I will. I project myself to wear this eternally in Nitya Navadvip. So it, that's part of my eternal uh, look, if you will. Tilak, Kantimala. It's not something that we use now as sadakas for a while. It's cool. It will help us. But eventually, whatever. I will discard them when I attain... Who knows what? No. When you attain your ultimate goal, their Kanti Malantila will be more fixed than ever. <laughs> they will never disappear, basically. No? So, and, and Kanti Mal, again, is a way of reminding ourselves of our uh, devotional prospect. Bhakti Devi is there in the form of Tulasi, of Rinda Devi, who is making all the arrangements as a forest goddess. I, I won't go into the details of Tulasitattva, if you will, but that's, there's a lot of that in our, in our daily life as sadakas in connection to Tulasi and all that Brinda Devi represents. Um, and these three, three strands, sometimes I thought about that regarding the, the third verse of Sikshastakam, because Mahaprabhu once said in Chaitanya Charitamrita, you were this verse, third verse, Trinada Pisunishena, Tarora Pisagishnu, Namani Namanade, Nakirtaniya Sadahari, you were that as a garland around your neck. So I thought, okay, I will try to interpret this Kantimala as personifying the third verse as well. These three strands having to do with these three lines. And those will warrant Tikirtaniya Sadahari. A way of conceiving, of course, it's not a forced interpretation, but. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's important to wear it. It's not some. Uh, aesthetic consideration also, no? because sometimes we may be very concerned about, I want to have this Kanti Mala with this size, and I will try to make someone special. And the main thing is, I want to have Tulsi blessing my, my life permanently, and this is a gift that my Guru gave me during initiation, so that's part of my identity, and, and so on, and so on. 
Okay, let me go to, there are some questions in, in the chat here. Let me go to one that has been sent by Gopal Landini for a minute in, in Facebook streaming. He's asking something that I've already answered, but I will reply to her. She's asking, it's okay to apply water tilak, if you will, on days when we are not able to wear real tilak, like when we are going to work. And she then says, I came late. If that was already answered, I will rewatch and find the answer. So yes, you can rewatch and find the answer. <laughs> But yes, I mentioned that there's no problem. You can use tilak made with Ganga water, or you can have the tilak actually in the morning. And when you are going to water, you can wash away tilak in a way. It still remains there. If you will. So again, practical considerations according to, to time, place, and circumstance. But the idea is somehow or other, ideally, you should have some of the tilaks, some of the different expressions of it accompanying your day. Hmm? What else? Here we have a question from Sakyarati. She's asking, my Kanti Mala broke, so I put it on the altar. I don't want to put one that's not from Guru Maharaj. So now I'm not wearing any. Is that okay? Or should I get another one in the meantime? Well, sometimes Kanti Mala breaks, of course, that happens. And you should not get overtly, excessively superstitious about that. <laughs> Because sometimes I've seen the devotees going mad, I don't know. My Japa Mala is getting entangled where I'm chanting, for sure I must be committing some offense. My Kanti Mala broke, for sure I must be doing some heinous act and that's why this is happening. I mean, that may happen, of course, but that's not necessarily the case. So you should have your, your own introspection and reach conclusion. But, I mean, my point is, do not go neurotic, first of all, to that. Of that, you are not asking about that, but I've seen many times this situation. So in this particular case that you mentioned this situation, personally, I would recommend that you still use some Kanti Mala. Of course, you can get a Kanti Mala. You can offer it to Guru Maharaj and you can pray, I mean, for his blessings to use that Kanti and it's as, as if he's offering that to you. I mean, you can do all that in meditation. It's not necessarily that you write or call him, Guru Maharaj, I'm buying new Kanti Mala, can I use it? I don't have any. Of course, he will say, yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you have your, the blessing of your Guru for wearing Kanti Mala. So, you can get a new one. Before putting it, you can offer into a picture of your Guru. You can meditate. He's blessing that. He's putting that on you. And, of course, if you see him someday and you want to give him another Kanti Mala for him to give you officially live and direct, no problem. But in the meantime... I think it's it's good to to never remind without hmm, the Kanti Mala because that's a special way of being blessed, being protected, and being reminded also about who who we are, of who we want to be, hmm, basically. So some ideas. What else? Any other question before finishing? Sumati, I just have another comment. Yes, please, Sumati, continue. Sakirati could restrict for Kanti Mala is still there, just broken, just restring it. I mean, that's what most devotees that I know do. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know in the, her particular case how much yeah. it broke yeah. or how much, I don't know. Right, I don't know either, but, but yeah, that's a possibility for sure. It's not that, of course, it's not that it, if it's broken, you cannot string it back again or something like that. But yeah, I don't yeah. know what's the situation, of course, but if you can do it, of course. Uh, Sakyarati, you can do that, and, and in that case, there's no necessity of your Guru Mahesh giving it you back again. Of course, you can 
in meditation offered that to him and so on as I described. But yeah, somehow or other, we should make the adjustment to to remain in, in very close association with with Tulasimara and Brenda Devi. It's it's a matter of of, of association, intimate contact, connect, connection, and blessing. Hopefully. Okay, something else before finishing. Can I have a question. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Mine can wait. Okay. No, no, you go first. Okay, good question. All right. Um, about the uh, material of, of Kopichandan. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Um, can I make uh, like an emergency tilak out of, say, uh, Madhuban soil? I'm kind of running out of tilak uh, material here. So I know in the Shastra it says out of ants' nest you can take some and some out of tulasi pot. And I, I forgot that there was a third substance to use that are, are uh -huh. considered sacred, but What's your opinion on the, just taking some soil or something, clay or uh, whatever it may be? Well, basically, as you mentioned, you are at Madhuba now. I can hear that. I can hear the cicadas in the background, so I'm sure that you are at Madhuba. <laughs> and uh, and there are Tulasi Maranis there. So, as, as I mentioned today, you can take some clay from, from Tulasi, Tulasi plant, and you can make some, some tilak with that. That's one of the main options that are recommended if you don't have Gupi Chandarn or Radhakunda uh, Earth or Shamkunda Earth. You can use Tulasi as well. Um, and you are fortunate enough to have her very close. So I will recommend that to you in this particular case. And so basically that. Brigupa, you had some question or commentary? I had a question, Maharaj, about something you mentioned just briefly, mm -hmm. the shikha. Uh-huh. Uh, somehow, uh, having a shikha is not very much in fashion <laughs> among uh, uh, devotees nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, not only in our sangha, but in, in other sanghas as well. Uh, is this something, is having a shikha, is that something you would consider to be a uh, a detail or, or what what is your thinking about about the shikha mm -hmm. concerning male devotees I imagine right yes because uh, <laughs> ladies usually have hair anyway okay so Matt is our exception to the rule in the community <laughs> so Mati dasi ki jai so what about right. what about shikha well, I personally, of course, have Sika, as, as you can see, and you can, and you know me. Uh, and, and I agree with what Brigo said, that nowadays it's not that uh, popular, if you will. Of course, Sika is not something to, to be popular about it or not. It's not something, it's a type of fashion. It's something that is present even in the, in the, in the wider Vedic uh, culture and conception of course it's not something limited to being a Gaudiya Vaishnava only then you have Sika you can see Vaishnavas from other Sampradayas were in Sika and again followers of Vedic culture from lore from the old times Sika was part of that and, and there are many I've read many descriptions about Sika you know, some more connected to even physical uh, protection if you will you now if you fall and you hit your head, this part of your head, 
this is a very delicate part of this call that you may die quickly. So if you had the Zika, you will be protected in such an accident. <laughs> so you have that really like basic physical reasons. And some others that are also, I've heard them like uh, to the other extreme, sound a little bit like extreme to me. Like for example, if you are about to leave this body and you don't have Zika, Krishna won't be able to take you to the spiritual world because he will take you by the Zika and carry there. And, and on top of that, the Sika have, should have a knot, because if you don't have a knot, Krishna will take the Sika and his hand will slip from your Sika and you will fall again. <laughs> so when I hear those things, of course, I'm thinking, take the Sika off better, no, better than giving those types of, <laughs> of justifications, if you will. So, personally, I'm wearing Sika because, of course, it's also part of our tradition, uh, and we are and we are projected as in the Nitya Navadip as Brahman Kishores. We are we will be wearing Sikhas. That's the description at least given in, in the Padatis that describe uh, our daily attire, if you will, as Sadakas in the Nitya Navadip. There will be there will be Sika, there will be Tilak, there will be Upavita. No, as you know, as, as our, our Guru Maharaj is not given Upavita, and he makes a point for that, and it's very interesting, of course. But also he makes the point sometimes that, but you can, if you had already from, from before or whatever, or he gave it 25 years ago because he gave it before, you can continue using that in the context of projecting that you will be using that eternally in Nitya Navadip. So I will take the Sika in that sense like something like that. Not, not so, if you will, crucial as wearing Tilak or Kantimala, but also not to the point of saying, you can dismiss that altogether. It's totally a hair stuff because it's not a fashion only. It's a way of saying, sometimes I've heard this explanation that says, well, the Sikha as a symbol, if you will, represents, okay, I'm taking this hair off and only re this remaining this one, which means I'm trying to uh, detach myself from everything, if you will, detach, except for Krishna. So, which means... I'm attaching to everything in the context of him. So, so, so again, there's a lot of symbology there. And if you are not taking the, 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 the meaning of that and you are just doing that because everyone is doing that or someone is doing that and just following something from imitation, may, it may not be that favorable. Uh, and I understand that for certain reasons in one's work or something, it may not be so uh, proper, like sustainable to wear it in some cases that can happen. And, and I understand that for some devotees, again, in, in their DNA of whatever, it may look, again, too weird to wear it. Or they may not even have hair at that part of their body, uh, of their head. <laughs> I've seen devotees having the sickle, like, in this part, basically, because there's becoming, like, without, 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 without hair there. <laughs> so, for me, again, it's not that an, of an absolute consideration as of such importance as, as the Kantimala and the Tilak, but at the same time, we are to... As Brahmin Kishores, in Itanali, we will be having that Sika. So the point is, do not get extremely detached from that, because in, in eternity, that will be there waiting for you, if you will. <laughs> so there is a place, again, for that. And it's, it's not necessarily, again, a way that you will be recognized as a Gaudiya Vaishnava, because so many other people is wearing Sika. It has something to do with being a follower of Vedic tradition in a general way. Mm -hmm. So it's it also has some part of 
inclusiveness in, in society and a certain system of the time. So some of those will be my, my considerations. And here Madam Mohan is sharing in the chat some other of this extreme version. He said, when I was in South India, one Brahman Pujari told me, if I didn't tie my Sika, ghosts will come. And I, I know that for sure there are some statements like that in scripture. I, I, I have not been doing research today regarding uh, injunctions in Shastra about the Sika and the tying of the Sika. Uh, I don't know, Brigu, but if, if Sanatana Goswami speaks in detail on, on Hari Bhakti Las, no, he's not doing that. So also, since Sanatana Goswami spoke about brushing the teeth and so many other things, but he does, didn't spoke about Sika, we may take, it's something that, it, it doesn't, it's not that important, I will say, as, as some other points of, in our Gaudiya tradition. So, some ideas on how to deal with our hairstyle, if you will. <laughs> so, I think we are in time today. Uh, so, if you agree, we can finish here. And, um, well, see each other next week. To, next week, we are continuing again with our classical schedule of Mondays and, and Thursdays, at least for some weeks, since we won't be having some special celebration in the next weeks. So see you next Monday. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Pramanda Hari